This is episode 27 with Alyssa Cohen. So let's go, 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 I follow, oh, oh, you go, Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of The Invention Show, where entrepreneurs, influencers and authorities in their field today share their story of triumphs and challenges in both life and business. My name is Tak Lee and the host of this show. Now, today, I'm honoured and super excited to be speaking with the amazing Alyssa Cohen, named the top startup coach in the world at the Thinkers 50 Marshall Goldsmith Global Coaches Award in London. I mean, she's been coaching startup founders to grow into world-class CEOs for the best part of 20 years with companies such as Venmo, Etsy, The Wirecutter, and have coached executives from the likes of Microsoft, Bloomberg, IBM, and the New York Times, just to name a few. She's also an angel investor and advisor to multiple companies. I mean, what she's been able to achieve is simply mind-changing, life-changing, and business-changing. So without further ado, let's jump into it. Alyssa, welcome to the show, and thanks so much for being with us. Thank you so much for that wonderful introduction, and it's wonderful to see you today, Tak. Yeah, very welcome. Now, Alyssa, the first thing I like to ask all my guests, for those who are not familiar with yourself, is can you please give us a window into your background, who you are, and what was your first job? Oh, my first job. Well, let's just say this. So my background is I grew up in a really small town outside of Boston. Um, I was uh, I did a lot of things before I became a coach. I was the chief of staff at a university. I was a startup executive myself. I was a CFO at one startup and the head of strategy at another startup. I went to business school at Cornell. And uh, that's how I sort of meandered my way into becoming a coach and specifically a coach for startups. But my first job, my very first job was when I was a pretty little kid. I was probably 14 years old and I was uh, an assistant to the teacher at my Sunday school. (laughs) That's awesome. I remember that. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. I learned a lot from working at that time. (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. Now you mentioned sort of like, you know, your coaching journey started some 20 years ago. What made you specifically decide to become a coach as a startup coach? And and back then, did you think you'd be named the number one top startup coach in the world today? Absolutely not. So, you know, the short story on that is that I went to, I, I was at PricewaterhouseCoopers. I was a strategy consultant. I was um, sort of doing this so-called fast track to partner program. And I just thought like, this is not it. This is not it. I can't do this anymore. And so I really was like seeking, what do I want to go do? And I went to a conference as part of my seeking and I met a coach there. And I thought, what is that? She spoke to the, I was volunteering at the conference. She spoke to the volunteers. And I just was like, what? I want to do that. That's what I want to do. So I took coach training. I coached all my friends for free. In the meantime, I became, uh, again, the CFO of one startup and the head of strategy of another startup. So I was doing the startup world. And that was in the 2000s. So that all imploded. And I thought, okay, now I'm going to become a coach. So on Friday, I decided I'm going to become a coach. And on Monday, I became a coach. It was kind of just like that, one foot in front of the other. So to say that, like, did I think I'd be named the number one startup coach in the world? No, definitely not. (laughs) I just thought like, okay, this is what I'm called to do. I'm like, I really felt called to do it. And I just thought in my mind's eye, I can do this. And it really was one foot in front of the other because 
it was a fit with my personality. It was a fit with my skills. And I just had a lot of passion for and conviction for what I wanted to do. Excellent. Excellent. A huge congratulations, by the way. Thank now, you. I want to talk about your new book, Alyssa, From Startup to Grown Up, you know, Grow Your Leadership to Grow Your Business, which is on pre-order through, you know, Amazon, Barnes & Noble and Walmart. So people can grab it now. Now, as a startup founder myself, you know, I'm deeply intrigued in this book. Can you please give our audience an idea of what your book is about and what they can expect from it? Absolutely. So my book, as you said, is called From Startup to Grown Up because I am extremely passionate about that journey that mm-hmm. founders have to go to, go through to become world-class CEOs. So you start as a founder and you're thinking about building your product and you have to end as a leader thinking about how to build your business. So that's really what my book is about. It's divided into three sections, managing you, managing them, and managing the company as a whole. Because as a startup founder, you have to grow rapidly through all those domains. The other other thing I would say is that at the end of the book, I have specific scripts to help you with difficult conversations, Mm -hmm. delicate conversations, because my clients find practical tools and specific scripts and getting your mouth around the words to be extremely helpful as they grow on their own journey. Excellent, excellent. Now, what would you say is the job of the founder from startup to grown up? I mean, does it change? And if so, what needs to change? Yeah, well, it does change quite a bit. But as a starting point, I think I would say as always, when you're the founder and growing into the CEO, Mm -hmm. your number one job is to galvanize the people around you, to galvanize your team, to set the vision, set the culture, set the direction, and get everybody on board to follow you. Mm -hmm. And also to get realigned when people get, you know, inevitably out of alignment and to keep the focus on the most important thing. I would add that your job as founder or CEO is to not run out of money Mm -hmm. and um, to hire the right people around you in order to achieve, achieve what needs to happen. So the changes that you have to do as you grow into that CEO along the lines of who are you hiring? The right people in sort of the early days are different from the right people as you move, uh, as you sort of grow as a company. Mm -hmm. Also, how are you communicating? At first, you're like eight people in a room, even 20 people in a room, and you're just kind of talking. It's casual and informal Mm -hmm. and easy. Over time, you have to have more structure and repeat yourself much more often in terms of communication. And the last thing is that when you're managing initially, you're probably the expert. Over time, you've got to hire experts around you and managing those experts is very different. So you have Mm -hmm. to adapt yourself very rapidly as you grow your business. Wow. So, so good. So does the founder need to be the CEO, Alyssa? Well, that's a great question. Um, So first of all, the founder does not need to be the CEO. Mm. Definitely not. In the first chapter of my book, I actually talk about how important it is for you to do the inner work, the self-examination, the self-assessment note to know, do you want to be the CEO? I spoke to Allie Webb. She's the founder or co-founder of Drybar. And Allie Webb, along with her brother, uh, Michael, they founded Drybar together. And she decided 
I don't want to be the CEO. I want to be the visionary. I want to be the one who's like focused on the details of architecting my vision. So she wanted to be the president and really focused on the product. And her Mm -hmm. brother took on the role of CEO. That was incredible self-awareness for herself. And she also said, you don't have to be the CEO to have the imprint. So it's really on you to decide, do I want that journey? Because ultimately... The journey of CEO takes you away from the product or the service or the or the yeah, thing the that current. you loved, mm. and it really puts you into sort of building a business. So yeah. I would just offer up anybody who is founding a company now or is even the CEO now, you really want to do that inner work to mm. see, is this the right, is this my highest and best use? Wow. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Great, great insights. Great insights. Now, I know a lot of our listeners are at the startup age, so I just want to touch on capital raising a little bit here. And in yeah. your experience as, you know, as an executive coach, what's the best way for startups to raise capital? And it's like, you know, when should they start seeking investors? Yeah, it's a great question. So uh, the first thing I want to say is that you may not have to raise capital. Yeah. And this is, I think, a little mm-hmm. bit of a you know, sort of one of the hidden secrets of the startup world because we're all really hyped up on VC money and large raises. And you know, it used to be even like 10 years ago, you would not issue a press release for the amount of money that you raised and your valuation. So that's really changed a lot. Yeah. I yeah. want to point out that MailChimp literally this oh. week just sold their company to, I think it was Intuit. Intu- yes, I heard that. Yeah. Yes. $12 yep. billion. Dollars. 12 billion, B, billion with mm. a B. They're totally bootstrapped. Now, why were they able to bootstrap? Because they wanted to build a business at that pace. And also because they just realized we don't need that kind of incoming capital to build the business we want to build. So that's one thing. Mm-hmm. At the same time, look, there are many businesses, most businesses, startups that do need to uh, get investment. So first of all, do it later rather than sooner. And second of all, always and forever, the best way to get anything hard done is to build your relationships before you need it. So what are you doing to build the relationships inside of the ecosystem to meet VCs and angel investors and other investors before you need to ask them for money? Investors invest in a line, not a dot. So it's like you have one little contact with them. They're like, "Eh, I don't really know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. But if you have over time, a number of different contacts with them and you're able to showcase progress to them, they're going to both get to know you and also see what you bring to the table. And that's very powerful and very helpful over time Mm -hmm. when you're trying to raise money. Wow. The line, not the dot. I love that one. I love that one. So, So what would you say is the most important thing for a startup to focus on? Well, I mean, the most, I mean, there's so many things, right? So mm. when you're starting out your startup yeah. in the early stage, you need to really focus on what's going to get us kind of proof of concept. How are we going to yes. know we're going to be successful? Yeah. As you move forward, you want to think about how do I focus on consistency? That's a very difficult transition to make. You as a mm. startup person, you hire startup people around you. Everybody wants to like invent stuff at some point. <laughs> You've got to decide, this is what we're going to the market with. How do we do this in a repeatable way, in a systematic way? How do we do this without doing one-offs and fire drills? The early day people may not be excited about that. They Mm -hmm. may not like the process that you need to bring into the company. And so you need to think about how do you find the right amount of process and systems into the company to help you get where you need to be, which is repeatable consistency. And sustainable. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. So, so what would you say is your three most important tips for startups? My most important tips for yeah. startups, first of all, recognize that it's a journey that you're going to have to go through. You personally are going to have to undergo, yes. undergo a lot of growth and specifically a psychological transformation from being the expert oh, yep. in the room yep. to mm-hmm. empowering the people around you to build that business. Number two is that you really, really be mindful of who you're hiring. You may hire your friends mm-hmm. at first. But over time, you've got to hire people outside of your circle of trust. And then the last thing I would say is that you always want to remember that the way that that you win is focused. There's a lot of things clamoring for your attention. You need to stay focused on what you want to build and be mindful of all the distractions and be able to, you know, sort of tune them out to go forward. Excellent. Excellent. Now, I just want to move into your journey as an entrepreneur, Alyssa, and building your business. Now, as, as all entrepreneurs know it, you know, it can be lonely and challenging. Yes. So how, how do you manage risk and fear? Oh, well, that's like we could write books about that, right? So, <laughs> yeah. You know, the way I may, I'll talk about fear, first of all. The way I manage fear is to recognize that fear is not real, right? So I'm pounding on a table. That table is real, right? These glasses are real. But like just my thoughts and my feelings inside of me, they are not real. They are just my mind chatter. So what I do is I have a lot of discipline around my fitness program, my meditation program, the things that kind of get me in the right state of mind so that I can sort of see the fear for what it is. The truth is that we are far from the days of like, you know, lions attacking me or, you know, I'm not really going to be attacked by anybody and nobody has a gun, which means the only thing I'm afraid of is my ego rejection, you know, sort of those kinds of things. And I kind of remind myself of that every day. I also have a lot of practice getting out of my own comfort zone. I'm constantly out of my own comfort zone constantly. So it expands my ability of what I'm, what's possible. So that's Mm -hmm. how I think about fear. When I think about risk, the truth is that like, I have a diversified client base. I do a diversified set of activities. I work very hard to make sure that I I share my ideas I hope that people benefit from my ideas. And when they do, they come to me to ask me for more. So I really do the work I need to, to to let people know that I'm out there. So when I think about risk, what I think about is how autonomous am I as a starting point? How flexible am I as a starting point? And I always want to make sure that I am doing the work of my business. You know, when Mm -hmm. we talk about entrepreneurship, it's about working in the business and it's also about working on the business. So I do a lot of work in the business, but I also have to do the work on the business. On the business. Yeah. Love that one. Love that one. Yeah. So, so can you please share with us, our, our listeners, what's your biggest area of improvement today? I mean, I'm sure it hasn't been all rainbows and unicorns and, and lollipops. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, I'm launching this book. Yeah. I'm launching, which book is that? I'm launching that one. Yep. Start up to grown up, right? So it's the first time I've launched a book. So my area of development is thinking about how do I balance all the time that I commitment I need to launch the book along with doing excellent client work, along with continuing to do the work on the business. And I would say it has brought up for me back to fear, kind of some inner negative voices, which are like very surprising. So it's about really getting my mind state correct for this next phase of my career. And that's what I'm working internally on. Excellent. Excellent. Now, as a coach, Alyssa, if you could go back in time, you know, in the yeah. time machine and talk to your 18-year-old self or a bit younger, coach her, what would you tell her? Oh, so many things. <laughs> um, 
You know, I think what I would tell her is two things. One is that, again, it's about the sort of the mind chatter, being aware of your own mind chatter and not buying into it and moving forward. That's, I think, a a challenge for everybody. It's certainly been a challenge for me in my life. So that kind of calming reference to the 18-year-old self. And the second thing I would say is definitely, you know, sort of share your ideas and uh, get out there more, more quickly, because the more you can be well-known, the more things will come your way and also the more impact you can have. You know, my mission is to light 10,000 candles. And I knew that when I was 18. So the way I can light more candles and be a bright light in the world Mm -hmm. is to make sure that people know about me so I can impact them. Yeah. Wow. Love that one too, man. All these, all these gems. Love it. Now (laughs) I I sort of touch on turning point or or points, Alyssa, you know, when you look back at your entire life, everything you have, your journey to date, can you pinpoint a point that changed everything for you or is it more a collection of moments for you? There are two things that changed everything for me. The first is when I, um, I read, I read about Marshall Goldsmith, who is the Mm -hmm. number one, the number one coach in the world on the planet. I read about him. I was wintering in San Diego at the time, San Diego being a very warm place in the U S winter. And, uh, I, he lived there and I thought I'm going to meet him. And so I found my way to meeting Marshall Goldsmith and I went and had like an audience with him Mm -hmm. and meeting him and having him start mentoring me and bring me into different situations, different engagements with him. That was life-changing moment for me for sure. In fact, I literally came back from that meeting and I thought my life's about to change. So that was very significant. So I would Mm -hmm. say to everybody, seek out the mentors in your life and seek out mentors who can help you grow, which definitely Mm -hmm. happened. And the second is I moved to New York. So I moved to New York uh, like 14. 15 years ago. Yeah. And I moved to New York because I realized my life is not in Boston. My life is in New York. In New York. And the the ability in my mind's eye to get that conviction and to then do a like it's really hard to move. Like the company's not moving you. I'm moving myself. You know, I didn't have anyone that I was like moving for. Mm-hmm. But to decide yourself to go move is very psychically empowering for you. And then to have it work out which I do. I love New York and it's been mm-hmm. wonderful to be here. That has been really empowering for me in my life too. So good. So good. Now everyone has a, their own definition of success. Yeah. So what does success mean to you and how do you define it? Yeah. So for me, again, I come back to my mission to light 10,000 candles. So every day I can light a candle, that's success. To make a difference in the world, that mm-hmm. is success. And then, of course, to have the things that, you know, come with that. So some sense of being well-known, that's like a good part of success for me. And to continue to have the flexibility in to be able to be autonomous and self-determined in the work that I want to do and the Mm. things that I want to do in my life personally. Okay. And so, so talking about success, I'm just curious about your thoughts on this. So a lot of people have success, but also have the feeling of not enough. Now, the yes. feeling of there's something more out there, whether it be better, you know, bigger accomplishments, happiness, or fulfillment. What are your views on that? And the saying of you never have enough until you define how much is enough. Is there yeah. enough? Well, the way I think about that is be happy now. So you're on mm, this yes. journey. Yep. And so, you know, if you're on the journey, mm-hmm. the journey never ends. The journey ends on the That's day that true. you die, like yes. 97 years old and you die. So, yeah. 
There's no sense of I'm done. Um, take pride in your accomplishments to date. Uh, enjoy what you have created for yourself to date. Be happy now. And then feel free to continue to aspire to more. You know, I just um, I just was uh, watching this movie and it was so fantastic. And one of the one of the characters in the movie said, an obstacle is an inspiration. So I love that yeah. because you can keep kind of putting out there more aspirations for yourself. There are always obstacles in the way of getting those aspirations. Mm -hmm. And so you get to enjoy the obstacle and the inspiration of the obstacle on the way yeah. to achieving your goals. And I would say ultimately back to success, success is being able to pick your problems. Life is problems. Problems don't go <laughs> away. And we'd be bored if they do. So success yeah. is being able to pick the problems you want to solve. Wow, powerful words, powerful words. Now, the, the world is rapidly changing, Lisa, as we all know it, and will continue to evolve. What values do you see are important to, I guess, instill into the younger generation, you know, the startup founders, to try to, you know, give them that competitive edge? Well, I mean, if we're talking about saving the world or are we talking about giving them competitive edge? Competitive edge. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, it's an interesting question. So I think competitive edge comes from your own internal conviction and your ability to manage your own psychology. And the yeah. quicker you can manage your own psychology, the more competitive edge you will have. And then your ability to have a, a sort of um, a, a mindset and a focus and a bias for action. That mm -hmm. is also, I think, very the focus on competitive edge. You know, um, when I think about any startup founder, many, 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 many people have ideas. They have ideas and ideas. And, oh, I had that idea. I had that idea. A startup founder is like ahead, is like in the 1% ahead of everybody else because they're the ones who are like, I have this idea and I'm going to go for do it. Do it, yes. Yeah, yep. I'm going to do it. Many people don't get that far. So recognize that you have that competitive edge already and empower it and embody it and augment it with a bias for action and ability to manage your own psychology. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. So Alyssa, what is your legacy? I mean, what do you want to be remembered for? Well, I come back to my mission, which is to light 10,000 candles, yep. right? Mm -hmm. And I want to be known for that. And I also want to be known, you know, as a person who, um, who, who was, who cared, who made a difference, who was like sort of a bright light, like it's something in my mind's eye, I always think of myself as a bright light. And that means to shine a light on things, mm -hmm. to brighten and lighten things up and to inspire other people. And if that's my legacy, that will be significant to me. Oh, that, that's awesome. That's awesome. Now, the next two questions I ask all my guests, and I just love the responses that come back. Now, the first one is, if you can have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? Yeah, a billboard with anything on it, yeah. I would say, um, I would say that success is to be able to pick your problems. Ooh, I love that one. Love that one. And what superpower do you wish you had and why? Um, the superpower that I wish I had is to read people's minds. Because it would help ah, yes. in every way, right? <laughs> yeah. It would help yeah. me in my yeah. job, so help true. my personal life. Now, of course, like sometimes you don't want to know what they're thinking, but, <laughs> but mostly, <laughs> yeah. but mostly, I would think of it as a superpower. 
Excellent. Excellent. Uh, fantastic. And so, so good. Now, unfortunately, we have to work towards wrapping up and super mindful of your time. You know, great shares and insights and really appreciate your transparency and openly, you know, to openly share. I just have two final questions. First is where can people find out you know, more about yourself in your new book? Oh, well, they can come to my website, alissacone.com, A-L-I-S-A-C-O-H-N.com. You can mm-hmm. download for free five scripts to make your work life better and one to make your life better. It's a bonus to make your life better. And you can find that on my website because I really want to encourage you Mm -hmm. to begin the process of getting your mouth around the words of difficult conversations. So these are very common scripts that my clients ask me for to help them uh, navigate the areas you need to navigate. Mm -hmm. So alyssacone.com is the best way to find out about me and my book. Excellent. I'll definitely put those in the show notes and I highly recommend down. I've, I've got the scripts just to let you know, Alyssa, it's, it's excellent. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And, and, and secondly, lastly, what parting words of wisdom would you like to, I guess, impart for our audience? Oh, well, here's what I'd like to say to your audience. Believe in yourself and then mm. act like it. Get on your own side, be your own best friend, put one foot in front of the other on the way to success. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. Now, incredible insights and learnings from the world's number one startup coach. You know, it'd be totally awesome to catch up in person one day, Alyssa. I would love to. Stay well, stay well, be well, and take care. Now, okay, thanks again for tuning in, and I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. You can find me on social media at I'm Tackley, and I'll catch you next time. Don't forget to hit the like and subscribe button. And remember, you have the choice to make the choice. Stay well. Be well and stay social.